This podcast is intended as entertainment for grown-ups and to spread awareness of 826LA, a nonprofit writing and tutoring center for children ages 6 to 18. Visit 826LA.org for a full schedule of 826LA's events and programs, including the Time Travel Mart, with locations in Echo Park and Mar Vista, California. And now, a special appearance by Aesop. Hello, I am Aesop. Reading is fun. I like it. I have a good time when I read. There are lots of things you can read, which reminds me of a fable. The owl and the blue jay. They were both birds, but different types of birds. One was wise, and one liked to sing songs, though they still had feathers and beaks like birds. Which reminds me of Lord Byron and Norman Mailer, who you'll be listening to right now. They're great. You'll love them. Aesop! This first gentleman was an astonishingly prolific author, and I dare you to name a single one of his books on pain of death. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, George Gordon, Lord Byron. (laughs) I'll sit here. Uh, uh, my lord, uh, uh, um, you seem uh, you seem empty-handed. Um, will you not be favoring us with a with a reading from your works this evening? I shan't be reading. No, and, uh, and I halfway down here, I slapped my knee and thought, "I've left my loot." I did bring my loot, but it's not with me. But I did have something to say. Oh, a statement, a prepared statement. You mentioned Mr. Stoker. Fascinatingly enough, I am responsible for Polidori's story, Vampire, which was written the same weekend that Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein about, which I have a feeling we may return to as a subject. May but come up, yes. <laughs> The first romantic concept of vampires came from me. And for me, you can thank fans of True Blood. And who would have ever thought of using vampirism as an analogy for homos? I thought you were going to say, who'd have ever thought we'd have fans of True Blood? (laughs) Indeed. Although, also, also, I must point out uh, what, what a grand storyteller you are. For although you did not bring uh, a published work uh, from which to read, you did um, begin that story fascinatingly enough. So uh, you're still weaving tales up here. I am, I am like a small woodland creature in the pocket of a huntsman's shirt. I, I take bits of string and twigs and I weave a little nest and I curl up with it. Or a boy. Well said, my lord. Uh, are you ready to uh, to receive our next guest? I would. Yeah. May I ask you? May I ask you? How are you enjoying the twenty first century? I am in love with this magical time in this magical land. Is that so? True. I cannot stop. Watching my Larry, Larry King. I cannot stop watching my Larry. I was, he was interviewing Willie Nelson, and I thought, my God, that praying mantis is going to eat that hideously ugly little girl. And then I realized it was my Larry, and that's what I call him now. My Larry. Well, I, I don't know if you've heard the terrible news, my lord, but uh, 
he, he will be retiring your, your Larry. <laughs> can, can we get a couch for, for, for Lord Byron? Couch for Lord Byron, please. <sighs> I had the vapors. <laughs> Forgot you're from the, uh, the south of England. <laughs> Well, well played. Could I call you Hook? <laughs> I, it would be an honor, my lord. It would be an honor indeed. Hook Willis. Ladies and gentlemen, this. Uh, no comment. This, uh, <laughs> our next author was a pioneer of the genre known as new journalism a two-time Pulitzer Prize winner, and a dear friend to many murderers. Please welcome Norman Mailer. Norman Mailer. Thank you. Welcome, uh, Mr. Mailer. Thank, thank you, you H.G. Uh, thank you very much for uh, transporting me into the future where I can only assume my reputation has grown. Um, everybody... Have by now has probably read Harlot's Ghost, right? Show of okay. hands, how many have read Harlot's Ghost? Uh, guess it's not. very dark in here. I usually am uh, concerned about uh, being the most uh, masculine person on a panel. I think I'm going to hit that one out of the park tonight. <laughs> you are indeed a mountain of a man with a snow-topped peak. <laughs> indeed. Guess what I'm doing? Not skiing! Please uh, take my extreme discomfort as a show of support. Now, Mr. Baylor, uh, uh, is there a chance that you've, uh, you've brought a, a piece of your work to, yes. to share with us this year? I've brought a little uh, a bit of my work. Um, this is uh, an ex... It's it's uh, tiny but but big in theme and um, is, uh, now I, I do beg your pardon I hate to interrupt is this a new work? By no no way? this is um, this is uh, from the 1950s um, uh, at the time I formed a uh, newspaper called the Village Voice and um, <laughs> well uh, that was a newspaper which is what we called blogs back then. <laughs> And uh, this is, was published in, a, in there and then in a book called uh, Advertisements for Myself. Um, it is generally acknowledged that um, I was one of the first media whores of the post-World War II era. And uh, this, was a, this is an excerpt from an essay I wrote called um, uh, The White Negro. I'm sorry, if I may interrupt one more time. Certainly. Is this a first draft? No, uh, well, usually my stuff is so good I don't have to go to second draft. But uh, So this was the first and the final. Um, and this is, uh, in order to write about the white Negro, um, uh, and in, in researching it, I discovered that before the white Negro, there was a thing called a black Negro. And uh, so, black uh, is pitch. Yes. I've seen some of them. Exactly. Um, so um, this is an excerpt from the uh, from the White Negro. A knowing in the cells of his existence that life was war, nothing but war. The Negro could rarely afford the sophisticated inhibitions of civilization, and so he kept for his survival the art of the primitive. 
He lived in the enormous present. He subsisted for his Saturday night kicks, relinquishing the pleasures of the mind for the more obligatory pleasures of the body. And his music, and in his music, he gave boy, voice to the character and quality of his existence, to his rage, and the infinite variations of joy, lust, languor, growl, cramp, pinch, scream, and despair of his orgasm. For jazz is orgasm. It is the music of orgasm, good orgasm and bad. And so it spoke across a nation. Nailed it. You know, you know at the time, uh, right? I'm, no. Well, I was going to say at the time, writers like uh, Nat Hentoff criticized that last statement, saying that uh, that jazz is actually a very sophisticated music. But uh, I'm just saying, I never uh, left the Village Vanguard not covered in jazz. So, <laughs> so I think it was a very accurate statement. So many, so many excited white Negroes. Yes, exactly. I love the concept of the bad orgasm. I must admit, every one of mine's been bullseye. <laughs> right on the money. I was trying to reach a, a wider audience. The bad orgasm. Uh, there were a lot of bad orgasms in the 50s, that's all I'm saying. It was a dark time. Yeah, it was a dark time for the orgasm. It's like that, it's like that show, Madman. Oh, yes. <laughs> Now, uh, may I ask, uh, I'd like to start with a few uh, general questions. Uh, Mr. Mailer, what, what authors have influenced you? Well, when I was first uh, starting out, um, I have to say that the writer that really um, inspired me with just the pure greatness of, of prose was um, myself. <laughs> I just would read what I wrote, and I was like, I, as I aspire to this. And... <laughs> And I just pursue that, and I always try to live up to, um, to my own greatness. Well, probably very satisfying yes. that you read something you it wrote, was. then write something else, and then think, I've done it again. <laughs> no, no bad orgasms there. I'll... It's like you're sitting in your own village vanguard at exactly. home. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Lord, the same question to you. What, what authors uh, influenced you in your, in your early days, or in your later days? Mush brain, mush brain, mush brain. I more tend to concentrate more on the writers that I influenced uh, because I was the doyen of the romantic movement. I feel responsible for the new romantic movement of British pop music in the eighties. <laughs> so without me, there would have never been a Spandau Ballet. I know that much is true. But also, and I know I don't want to cause a, an, 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 an orgasm of gasps. A tidal wave of no, you didn't. But I loves me a Grisham. John I don't Grisham. even call them books. John, I call John, them John Grisham. You're I don't even call them books. I call them my Grishams. <laughs> I come home at night and go like a monster to my servant. Where are my Grishams? <laughs> then we laugh. The, the fellow who writes the, the legal uh, thrillers. Uh, Is there another Grisham? We're not aware. I can't stand it. John Grisham. Will they find the evidence so scary? <laughs> because I'm a poet. 
and uh, and I don't. I'm not a rhyming poet. I'm not like moon and spoon. I'm more like, oh, look at him, isn't he spiffy? That's the rhyme. <laughs> Deal. On the yeah, topic. I said it. But uh, so I, I, t- I get away with that. I get to, so for enjoyment, I must get away. Mm. Uh, get away. I loves me. Loves me, Grisham. On, on the topic of poetry, how do you respond to the charge put forth by me that poetry <laughs> is the lowest form of literature? <laughs> well. I take offense at the term literature. It's sort of like saying she's the smartest of all the strippers. <laughs> uh, I think of words as musical notes and the paper as the paper that you write them down on. So when you're writing poetry, you imagine you're writing music. Indeed. And then it's off to the village vanguard and for the, you know what. Mm. But then when you, when you, but a true poem is like music, rivaled, riveled. Riveled. It's riveled. It's like, it's like scat with words you didn't make up. Mm. If you, if you read She Walks in Beauty, you might as well have Scatman Crothers going scabba-da-ba-ba, scoo-doo-doo. It's the same journey. I think you may be a gay Negro. (laughs) And I mean that as a compliment. Speaking, I'm sure it's taken as one. (laughs) Speaking of uh, uh, gays, uh, Mr. Manley, you had a famous rivalry with Mr. Uh, Gore Vidal. Um, And. at the, uh, this is a, 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 an item I wanted to bring up with you. Uh, at the December 15th, 1971 taping of the Dick Cavett Show, mm-hmm. uh, you headbutted Gore Vidal during an altercation in which there were mutual insults and name-calling between the two before you went on the air. Now, I have to I'm th- sorry. Did you just say something exciting happened on the Dick Cavett Show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Yes, but, but off the air. <laughs> it was before the cameras were turned ah, good. on. Now, I have to ask you, uh, Mr. Miller, with, with Gore Vidal, you're headbutting Gore Vidal, but Dick Cavett was so close. Why Gore Vidal? Um, I, was, uh, I was very out of sorts that night. I was, I was very upset. Um, originally, I was told by the booking uh, agent that um, Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet were going to be the guest. They do not show up, and uh, instead, uh, Gore Vidal shows up, who um, cannot sing, and uh, does not know any show tunes, and, uh, and I was just upset, so, so I let him have it. <laughs> You're saying, is Gore Vidal the only gay man who doesn't know any show tunes? He, it's shocking, I know. I mean, uh, uh, Truman Capote can do the entire cast album of South Pacific. And will. And, and will. will. Yes. Gord is a Gord is a delightful gas bag. He's he's something like a female Ariana Huffington. Very well put. And you know I have uh, you know I don't like to brag about my uh, my physical prowess, but um, in my time I did I did um, win many fights with uh, effeminate authors. So I'm just putting that out there. Now, uh, my lord, do you because you are a mountain of man, but I'm going to spend less time on it every time. But by the end of the night, I'll just swing. 
sort of sort of Pavlovian I'm, response. I, I have no objection. I'm a little concerned that I have an erection, but aside from that. <laughs> You're like a big, friendly gorilla, and I want to cuddle up in your arms like Seth Green in that poster for that movie. <laughs> really made the most of your time here. Yes, I you know a lot of, a lot of uh, current references. It's impressive, I must say. I'm also tweeting. <laughs> I'm not sure you know what that means. <laughs> Mr. Naylor, in, in 19... In 1980, the Executioner's Song, your novelization of the life mm-hmm. and death of murderer Gary Gilmore. Yes, it was a, brilliant. Thank yes, you. It, well, it won the, uh, the Pulitzer Prize for... Second fiction. time. What, uh, what... <laughs> I apologize for not uh, shoehorning that in, but luckily you brought yours. Um, what, uh, what drew you to, uh, to the story of, uh, of Gary Gilmore? Oh, um, well, I, I just um, was fascinated um, by, uh, by people in Utah. And, uh, <laughs> and um, their, their ways of doing things. And, and, and I thought Gary Gilmore was... Um, kind of the uh, quintessential uh, existential hero in many ways. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it's, when I say it, it sounds like I'm really smart. So, Indeed. Well bold. So that ability to see a killer, and, and I have you know, had a lot of experiences with, uh, with, uh, with murderers and people who, who I tend to think you know, just are kind of on the edge of society and express themselves in a very compelling way. Are, are you speaking of uh, Rip Torn? Rip Torn. <laughs> I actually made movies with Rip Torn back Indeed. in the day. And uh, I'm sure everyone here has seen Maidstone. Okay. I, I felt the breeze of hundreds of hands going up. It's, but it's, uh, again, it is very dark in here. It's uh, not yet available on uh, DVD or film. So... <laughs> I'm thinking of writing a book about Gary Glitter. Gary Glitter oh, also. Skinless grapes, wink, wink. <laughs> Will you spell out the wink, wink? In parents. You don't want to save time with an emoticon? No. <laughs> I've invented an emoticon. Oh, is that, is I did while I was so? here. Semicolon, sideways, dash, forward, parenthetical, five colons is Sonny Corleone at the bridge. <laughs> Amazing did, that I thought of that being from the 1700s. <laughs> did you, uh, by any chance, go to a Moticon in San Diego this year? <laughs> Every now and then I'll come up with a pun. It's uh, a different side of me. Thank you. <laughs> now, Mr. Miller, uh, speaking of Ripton, you, you, made, you made this movie called Maidstone, and right. uh, you very famously got in a physical altercation with, uh, with the actor Ripton in which uh, I do believe he hit you with uh, something very specific. Oh, um, yes. Um, and what would that be? <laughs> I believe he... Uh, I, I can understand why you might not remember I, this right away. He, he hit that. you in the head with a hammer. Oh. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, I have to say, if you're going to hit someone, that's in a very effective way. Uh, it's designed you know for hitting. You know they say? When you own a hammer... Every problem's a male. They say nail, but I said nail because that's his last name. Uh, <laughs> I became very. Uh, that was that was a dark time of my life. 
when uh, actors were hitting me on the head with hammers a lot. Uh, I actually uh, went uh, on the set of Petticoat Junction, and uh, Edgar Buchanan, for no reason, hit me on the head with a with a hammer. Well, for no reason, Norm. No, well, you're among friends here. Now the okay. truth can be told. Now he's long dead. Oh, okay. I I made a uh, sarcastic remark about his uh, his girth. I I was wrong. Pinnacle Junction, of course, the television series based on my play, Wastegate Crossing. <laughs> what was it called? Wastegate Crossing. Uh-oh. Wastegate Crossing. And when, what was Wastegate Crossing about? Uh, it was about a group of pulchritudinous, undereducated women who frequently changed in front of a water tower. <laughs> now, you know... I also had a hand in, among other people, Mary Shelley's great hit Frankenstein, which I take some responsibility for its success. Because yes, your, your prediction that we'd end up talking about that seems, seems to have come true. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you, sir, I do believe you may be in possession of the second sight. That is, uh, it's uncanny. It is, yes. Truly, it is as you foretold. We are now currently talking about you witnessing the creation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yes. Here's the ironic part. That's all I had. <laughs> well, now, th- this was a... No, I have no gag on it. <laughs> I just thought the subject would come up. <laughs> and now it's come up. And here we are. Goodbye, subject. No, you... That's the subject leaving on the mail train. <laughs> that was an evening. Goodbye, Lord Byron. We're the Frankenstein subject. <laughs> Fanciful notion, the subject that can speak. Talking train. <laughs> oh, it's a train it's that was a speaking. Train. Oh, it's, it's a train pretending it's a subject. That's how it can speak. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not some sort of want wit. <laughs> did you know? Did, but I told Mary, he said, as if it just came to him. I told Mary to call it Frankenstein. Her original title, Spookier Than a Jew, would have cursed it for years. <laughs> We, prob- we probably wouldn't be talking about it today. Indeed. Were it called Spookier Than a Jew. As, as, they run the business. As a member of the post-war uh, literary Jewish mafia, I would have been very offended by that. <laughs> Indeed. Now, you are, you're, you're uh, contemporaries, Mr. Mailer, with which you, uh, you, you started the, uh, the new journalism genre. Yes. Um, you superimposed the essay onto the nonfiction novel. Uh, Truman right. Capote, whom you mentioned earlier. Uh, Huntress Thompson. Uh, hunt, not Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson. I thought you meant Hunter S. Thompson, his sister. But... <laughs> oh, that was Hunter S. Thompson, yes. Uh, Tom Wolf. Tom Wolf. And, of course, Joan Didion. Joan Didion. <laughs> I love her in The Nightmare Before Christmas. What was it like hanging out with these, uh... <laughs> oh, he's making a face. <laughs> Thank you, my lord, for indulging us. Caddy, all the bottles. L.A. has a lot of freeways. I'm driving in sand. <laughs> Pardon me while I shit myself blind. <laughs> Not often you get to see a member of the peerage make a face. <laughs> Mr. Mellon, what was it like, uh, what, were your, what were your dealings with someone like uh, Truman Capote? Were you, were you friends? Were you close? Were you, uh, were you rivals? How did he look like you... a plucked chicken up close in person? 
He, I, Was I, he, in fact, a plucked chicken? He may very well have been. Um, I, I actually uh, got along with him until we had a big uh, spat over uh, who wrote the first nonfiction novel. And uh, he claimed that it was, uh, that it was in cold blood. And, um, and I claimed that it was uh, everything I had ever written before then. <laughs> and uh, he, he, we got in a spat about that. And, um, and now I understand Philip Seymour Hoffman has played him in a movie. So um, maybe Rip Torn can play me. It's, it's that seems point. fair. Yes. <laughs> Turn about his fair play. Yes. Him and a hammer, I well, never mind. Never Some mind. things I just say things that make no sense. Go ahead. <laughs> um, let me ask you both a question. Um, how do you feel about the influence your work has had on people that have gone after you? Hmm. Well, I'm, I've been a little disturbed to uh, see, um, you know, I, I pioneered the new journalism, and uh, if you're aware with the media now, they have a thing called the no journalism. <laughs> and I'm a little, uh, little disappointed that it turned out that way. Yes, how do you, how do you feel about uh, modern journalism, which has uh, become the subject of uh, much discussion lately? Well, I'm, uh, you know, I, I was hoping someone would carry on the mantle of the uh, firebrand, the incendiary, the uh, journalist who speaks truth to power, and... Um, now we have Howard Feynman. So. Spookier um, than. Yes, exactly. What kind of name is Feynman? Wow, he, you were down south before you came here, too. That's quite I impressive. Often think, I often bemoan my progeny for my style of writing, which was so dedicated to the higher aspects of man. To be an emotive creature, to put aside, I went to war. I knew that I had to become a man and I went to war and I don't know what it was that drove me to war. Something about the tamping of muskets. (laughs) So much tamping. But then, to see my style of writing reduced to the doggerel of skinny kids in black t-shirts up in their rooms so much gnashing and wailing about unicorns I feel that, <laughs> that there's, no, there's no place for the romantic voice anymore I feel like a man out of time now I, uh, I went to war as well and, uh, and I, I'm assuming that the war you went to um, involved a lot of um, vicious backbiting <laughs> <laughs> That was the mode of yes, uh, combat. Yes, and then battle started. <laughs> you need to go to war on your waist. Yeah, I'll send it two snaps oh. up! No! Um, if I weren't... <laughs> if I weren't such a strong uh, masculine man, I, I, I wouldn't be able to cover up how hurtful I found that. Speaking of uh, your masculinity... I feel uh, like a doll made of clothespins and you're a giant sack of potatoes that's been struck by lightning and given life. (laughs) I I think we all feel that way. (laughs) I love potatoes, what can I tell you? (laughs) 
I'll hand and it to other potatoes. poems. I'll hand it to potatoes. They're bloody good. Delish. Mr. Mayor, speaking of your uh, your masculinity, you were married six times. Six times. And you had nine children. Nine children, yes. That uh, really um, influenced... No, I had more than nine children. Uh, well, now, this is Mr. Mayor's time. That's I gave birth time. to. That, oh, of your own. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Surprised it took them that long to catch on. Uh, Pardon me for bringing up the danger of homonyms. <laughs> There was a placard out front, I believe. That yes. <laughs> Caution. Be, yes, they homonyms. Be subjected to homonyms. Caution. Homonyms. So there's going to be some homonyms tonight, girlfriend. Fasten your word usage belt. It's going to be a homonym night. So, Mr. Miller, of your, of your six marriages, do you have a favorite? Um, well, uh, there was one uh, marriage. This is uh, uh, back in the early 60s. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. I uh, stabbed my wife at a party. <laughs> and uh, it got a lot of publicity at the time. And um, people thought that my uh, going in the middle of a party and viciously stabbing my wife... Some people took that as an act of hostility. Um, But uh, at the time, what people don't know is that um, uh, Samuel Goldwyn had hired me to write a screenplay uh, based on the comic strip The Lockhorns. And uh, I was doing research for it, and and things just got a little out of hand. And plus, you know, let's to be honest, she was a pill. But it really... uh, but, uh, you know, all of my wives, the, the ones that I didn't stab or, uh, or perform physical violence on, we, uh, the last one, basically, we got along great. In, in your older years. In my older years, when I wasn't very strong anymore. Um, nine got sort of heavier the, and heavier, didn't yes. they? Sort of the Jerry Lee Lewis of letters, aren't you? Oh, God, I wish I had his waistline. But... <laughs> That's almost what I was thinking. I can, uh, you know, I, he can eat all he wants and doesn't gain a pound. I just look at a potato, I gain eight pounds. I hate him. <laughs> I had some chili at Wendy's earlier, and I too thought, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. <laughs> I had to loosen my jerkin. I beg your pardon? I had to loosen my jerkin. Why did I ask? You know, my own... My mother... My father met my mother, spent all of her money, and then destroyed all it stood for, and left. He was a sort of an 18th century Courtney Love. He was like a female Courtney Love. Was your... The joke's, so, the joke's so nice, I used it twice. <laughs> I'm a kitty. Third That's time what will in, surely uh, be the charm. In Victoria, England, they call that a callback. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Were you ever in the same room at the same time with Eleanor Roosevelt? <laughs> I'm a theory. I've been, uh, uh, well, that's a sore subject because uh, she had more women than I did. But uh, I don't want to tell tales out of school. 
And I had she a was lot. like a female Rosie O'Donnell. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Just, no, I won't. Just Here's the joke. No. Uh, Lord Byron, uh, would you say that your, your father was, uh, was perhaps the inspiration for the, what became known as the Byronic hero, an idealized but flawed character? Oh, indeed. He was a real bastard. I was going to be named after him, but they couldn't fit drunk and unloving fucker on my birth certificate. <laughs> it was from my uncle that I inherited my title and my estate. My uncle, mad Lord Byron, the wicked Lord Byron. Not to be confused with the vivid Lord Byron. It was from my uncle that I inherited my estate in... Uh, Nipstead Abbey in Nottinghamshire, which I'm now trying to get extra suffixes added to <laughs> in the hopes that it will be named Nottinghamshire for Dalton. <laughs> I think we can all agree that's a good idea. <laughs> these, are, these are British village name jokes. Indeed, indeed they are. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll be hearing six or seven more of the same one. <laughs> Don't know if we have that kind I'm, of time. <laughs> Guess what I'm doing? Pretending I'm tweeting how much I like you. <laughs> and at the mention of Twitter, it is now time to turn to our uh, friends from the internet. And I don't H number eight N M smiley face. <laughs> That's more of the uh, Byronic Allen idea. Ideal. That's wrong. You're just Speaking of white Negroes, enjoyed that. <laughs> Byronic Allen ideal unleashed. Why doesn't Byron Allen like Pat Boone? Pat's a little too street. <laughs> oh, if only you all stayed up until four in the morning, ladies and gentlemen. How this much stuff you would, would be hilarious, I'm telling you. <laughs> If only you would stay tuned after the infomercial, after yes. the local news. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I do now. love infomercials. What I find fascinating about infomercials <laughs> is that it's always a terrible offer wrapped in an enticing bid at freedom. Tired of not being able to sell your own teeth? <laughs> yes! <laughs> These are the musings of Lord Byron. <laughs> he has a lot of them. Merely the musings of Lord Byron what and I no one else. Yes, indeed. What I find miraculous about this century is that hot dogs come in packages of ten. But the buns... Wait for it. Oh, this is why? 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 That was a poem in of itself. Indeed, indeed, embarrassing. <laughs> As all poetry is. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I know that a lot of people, when they came here tonight, said, "I, I really hope I get to hear Lord Byron's take on hot dogs." <laughs> Because it's very Lord, you think of Lord Byron. Norman, you'd be surprised when you see the comment cards after the show. And now let's finally get to these goddamn Twitter questions. Uh, Lord Byron, uh, how did Lord Byron receive his noble title? How did you come by your noble title? Oh, that title? was from my, uh, my beloved uncle, uh, Mad, uh, the wicked Lord Byron, who, when uh, he passed... 
I inherited his title and his estate. I came about my wealth the old-fashioned way. A stranger died, and I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mailer, um, I'm told to ask you if you've ever gotten a thank-you note from Gary Gilmore. Um, he meant to write one, uh, but uh, he was going to do it after the execution. He wasn't a bright man. <laughs> Poor at planning. And, yeah, he never, never got it from him. But he was very appreciative of the work I did about him long after he was dead. <laughs> now, Mr. Uh, Lord Byron, uh, did you write poems for and about women before or after you slept with them? I would usually write the poem after I slept with them, because before I slept with them, I didn't know the intimacies that I would require for the poem. <laughs> And then afterwards, I was able to draw upon my memories of the time together, and I was able to also rhyme those tough-to-rhyme words like glabia <laughs> and blitteris. Uh, I only wrote 17 poems that began, My name's Lord Byron, and I'm here to say... <laughs> Yes. On the subject of Gilmores, you did an episode of the TV show Gilmore Girls. Uh, why that particular show? I'm sure you've got tons of offers to be on television programs. I, I was uh, uh, asked to be on just about everything. Um, I almost they wanted me for Mr. T's part on the A Team, but uh, uh, the Gilmore Girls I thought was going to be. Um, a really uh, fun experience. My kids loved it, and uh, and I was like, "What the heck?" And then I got on the set, and there's B. Arthur, uh, Betty White, Rue McClanahan, all with hammers, <laughs> all coming towards me, and, and I, so that's why I like I didn't really have an acting. Darling, career. that's the Golden Girls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you'd wandered onto the wrong set. Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. Gilmore uh, Girls is the one of that girl from that other show, and she has the daughter that played the hero in that movie. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> well, that one uh, I uh, I didn't do as well on because uh, I went on and I'm like, where are B. Arthur and uh, <laughs> with the hammers? I, 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 I'm more of a writer, is what I'm saying, than a than a, than a noticer actor. of things. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yes. I don't. Uh, observation of things has never really been a part of my writing. You know so. what is the most amazing thing about the 21st century? I wish you'd tell me. eBay! <laughs> Do you know what I recently bought on eBay? No, Lord Byron. Tell us what you recently bought on eBay. B. Arthur's. Oh, my B. Arthur's urinal. Kind of like the other joke, but refigured for this part of the show. <laughs> Oh, Lord Byron. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like the Jeff Ross crossed with uh, the Dana guy Google. from that band. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mailer. 
I couldn't think of Brian Ferry was who I was going for. So. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Dana Gould, Brian Ferry. Same ham, different bread. Yes, Who remembers both... that commercial for beefsteak rye? Yes. Both moderate peaks from a decade past. Indeed. Uh, Mr. Mailer, someone is asking from Twitter, the, uh, the Riptorn-Maidstone fight, mm-hmm. was that like a Joaquin Phoenix thing, or was it for real? Oh, um... Was it, uh, was it an hoax, is what they're asking. <laughs> The fight itself uh, was real, um, but um, his passing himself off as a uh, rapper was not, especially since this was 1969, and no one knew what a rapper was, so that part of it was a hoax, but... uh, That's right, when he was clubbing you with the claw hammer, he was saying, my name's Rip Torn and I'm here to say. (laughs) That's right. He was always bragging about how well he did with the bitches. But... <laughs> and in that, we had something in common. Now, Mr. Mello, you famously ran for the, uh, the, the mayor, mayor of New York City. And uh, uh, do you think that the, the world would be different had, uh, had you won? And uh, had you made good on your, your idea to secede uh, New yes, York City? Yes, I, I ran the entire campaign on making uh, New York the 51st state. And um, and Jimmy Breslin was uh, my running mate. He ran for city council president. And um, I don't know. I think it just would have been weird if I had won, and then it had become the 51st state, and then it would be like, what, am I the fucking governor now? You know. <laughs> am I the mayor? Am I the governor? It's a state. It's a city. It made my head explode. So kind of worked you, out Jimmy for the Breslin best. Jimmy Breslin should have run that city and changed its name to Krabby Crab Appleton. <laughs> Throw Fran Lebowitz in there somewhere. <laughs> Give her something to do. Yes, uh, I do admire Rip Torn for the name. <laughs> Lord Byron. Peter O'Toole being it, another member of that club. <laughs> Is Mad Men's Don Draper the modern legacy of your Byronic hero archetype? And are you the 19th century Don Draper? It's a bit of a two-parter. Mm. Yeah, I, no, I think I'm more the 19th century bit Draper. Don Draper is more of a 21st century man caught in the mid-century dilemma. What I'm getting at here is... <laughs> A long but slowly paced explanation of a murky problem that remains unresolved. Sort of like an episode of the show. Mm. Well, very well and torturously done. (laughs) I started off not knowing where I was going, but ended up more lost than from whence Mm. I started. That joke needed a Thomas guide. That wasn't torturous. That was rendition. It's the... <laughs> and, it's, and it's the only show I like. And I pooped on it. <laughs> Breaking Bad, you're not a fan? Uh, don't have time. I love no, it. Who, Who has time for has things? Time? <laughs> How's the whole conspiracy and the web of intrigue working out on Rubicon? Oh, never mind. <laughs> Couldn't get through the pilot. Couldn't get through the pilot. 
I'm going to catch up on DVD, see if watching more than one in a row does something for me. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> Mr. Mailer, this is a it's question. It's about as exciting as watching someone play with a Rubik's Cubicon. <laughs> History will judge that joke. <laughs> and I'm here to say... <laughs> Mr. Mailer, this is a question from Twitter. Uh, I want to point out uh, there was no uh, capitalization or punctuation involved. Wow, how, how unusual for Twitter. I hope they, when they said four, did they put the, the number four? That, thankfully, thankfully, that preposition does not appear in this. Uh, Mr. Norman Mailer, mm-hmm. was Henry Miller corny in real life? <laughs> Oh, that's a very deep question, but um, as far as I knew, he never made an appearance on Hee Haw. Asked and answered. My favorite Henry Miller book is that one he wrote. That was was a big influence on me, that one. How does it stack up next to the Charles Bukowski book? Exactly. Lord Byron! I woke up, I got drunk, I went to the racetrack. So close. (laughs) Lord Byron, Lady Carolyn Lamb described you as mad, bad, and and dangerous dangerous to know. What what do you say to these allegations? Well, I have one word to describe why Lady Carolyn Lamb has sort of bestowed that title on me, and it rhymes with Miphilis. Someone left that assignation brimming with Sif. <laughs> Mr. Mailer. <Yeah. laughs> and by the way, I'm not breaking character. I'm thinking of stuff Byron Allen said. <laughs> Never fails to bring yes, a smile to uh, anyone's face. Yeah. Just the thought of you, Byron Allen. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Miller, Ben Franklin wrote mm-hmm. Standing Up. Uh, Twitter would like to know if you wrote Standing Up or Sitting Down. I wrote uh, in a crouching position. <laughs> you don't say. Yes. It always, I was, where if I was going to go for uh, uh, Dostoevsky or another Marilyn Monroe book. You know, I was always like right between the two. And always ready to defend yourself against hammer attacks. <laughs> That's right. They, they, it's harder when you're crouching for a hammer to hit you. <laughs> well, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the low point of the arc, isn't it? You really, you really, want, you, you really want your hammer victims to be standing. When, when I think of what I could have achieved if people weren't always fucking hitting me with hammers, <laughs> it saddens me. And I would think... I would think with your physical carriage, you spend a lot of time crouched under a bridge waiting to quiz a knight. I'm moving you with my mind. <laughs> oh, that almost seemed rude. I do apologize, Mr. Miller. Um, for both authors, I will start with Mr. Miller. What is your guilty pleasure reading? Oh, um... My guilty pleasure. Well, I've 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 become a great admirer of the work of uh, James Patterson. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I was a very uh, prolific writer. I wrote about twenty or thirty books in my entire lifetime. He writes that many in a year. So, obviously, he's the better writer. Uh, 
So uh, I that's... think any time you have your own font for your name, that's 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 yes. when you know you've made it. And I, you know, I'm sorry that I, you know, if I were a younger man, I would have just written outlines and had other people write the books. But that's a young man's game. Steve Allen wrote 20 books every 11 days. That's right. He was uh, he was very very uh, uh, prolific, and but so. Thank so, you. So the, you're quite welcome. <laughs> Say uh, hello to my Mad Men joke while you're there. You're not a passing acquaintance. Hi, Mad Men joke. Was that the train talking? <laughs> <laughs> my lord, uh, I think I have your guilty, guilty pleasure, pleasure reading. No, yes. I think everyone who knows me knows that I. <laughs> Tore a little bit of my hair out when I didn't get to write Paul Reiser's Couplehood. <laughs> but you, you've read it and enjoyed it. I wish it. You know, I think my biggest regret is not having just my face on the cover of everything I wrote. <laughs> well, before I... Uh... Whisk you back to your time. Would you like to speak with your publishers and see if maybe they could get you a nice eight by ten? I would. I would love that. Whatever it is you've written. <laughs> sure. Is there anyone here who does headshots? <laughs> Just before we go. If I ever had to get headshots, what I would do is I would wear several different kinds of hats in each one, so that people would know that I could play a character different. that had to wear that. Hat. And they'd all be on one headshot. Right? Yeah, it's a composite they call yes. them, I believe. Yes, yeah, so like a chef, the chef, a fireman, the nerd, and the nerd. Oh, he's got tape on his glasses. Remember, <laughs> one picture you're serious, the yeah. other goofy. <laughs> Color or black and white? I understand color is all the rage these Everyone days. Everyone uses color. I'm just amazed that, they're, uh, that I was going to go someplace and then decided, no, don't. <laughs> Will Wonders never I, well, I actually think, you know what I just did just then for a moment? Grew up. Just a little bit. <laughs> Lord Byron, I've never known you to be so meta. <laughs> That's about all the time we have, unless there are any questions from the audience, from the audience here in the theater. Anyone have a can question? Can they do that me? now with, with Twitter? Can people ask questions in person now? Or? <laughs> yes, Twitter, Twitter has made it so that people can actually ask questions in person. <laughs> They'd have to use their mouths. <laughs> yes, sir. You. Lord Byron, I know you wrote Don Juan. Was May I repeat the question, Lord Byron? You wrote I, Don Juan. Was that based on your own? Escapades? I did write Don Juan, but it was taken from a, an, an unpublished book of my own escapade, which was called uh, Friction Time at the Busy Tunnel. <laughs> Why didn't you just call it Escapage? Escapage. <laughs> Dip in the wick in some sassy wax. <laughs> and then. I thought I'd write the story of Don Juan or Don John and that one day it would be made into a film starring uh, Johnny Depp and he would pretend he was a rock star. And did you have the force did you have the force I'd hope that a great big fat man would be in the movie as well? Hey, I'm sitting I'm sitting right no. here. Oh. You misunderstand, oh. Mr. Man. That movie is wonderful because it is called Don Juan, and 90% of the time you are looking at someone going, please, God, don't let him fuck anyone. <laughs> 
Any but, other questions but, from the Brando audience? Brando won the best ensemble performance that year at SAG. <laughs> Folks, I, I... He was fat. He was a large man. Oh, yes, that, uh, the, the weekend that spawned uh, the creation of Frankenstein. Funny uh, you mention the creation of Frankenstein. Everyone was stuck. It was raining outside. You were all stuck it inside. It was an interminably ungenial summer. A group of authors trapped in a it summer It was home. raining and raining and raining and raining and raining and raining. <laughs> Mary. May I interrupt you? I do want you to continue your story. I just need to say one thing. Don't ask any more questions. <laughs> Sorry, pray continue, my lord. Mary Shelley wrote a story originally called Spooky Jew, and then she changed it to Ball and Prometheus, and then I said Frankenstein. It sounds Jewish, but it's not, but they run the business. <laughs> oh. Mr. Polidori wrote a story based on my story, Vampire, and I wrote... A series of books about a family, a terrible family in a neighborhood called the Herdmans. Uh, the original was the best Halloween ever. And uh, I wrote 400 books that one weekend and coasted. It was in Austria. And you know how they are. <laughs> I caught most of that. <laughs> Are there any other questions? Ready to wrap this up? Anyone at all? No one. No. You oh, don't. This, this gentleman don't has a have an orgy with your friends. <laughs> I think that's sound advice for orgies. us all. Orgies. You know, orgies. If I could, if if you take nothing else from the night, <laughs> orgies are for strangers. Well, we always like to end with a lesson, and I think that one will do. Very Ladies well and gentlemen, said. thank you for being here this evening. My thanks to Lord Byron, Norman Mailer, and Aesop for their time. Special thanks to Messrs. Dana Gould, Frank Conniff, and Mark McConville for no particular reason. This podcast is produced by Mrs. Ben Zelevansky and Paul F. Tompkins, with special material written by Mr. Zelevansky. The producers wish to thank Cody Fisher, Jim Yatto, Alex Berg, Susan Hale, and everyone at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre Los Angeles, and Lauren Rock and Joel Arkeos at 826LA. Our theme was composed and performed by Mr. Eben Schletter, Esquire. Our program is recorded live and monthly at the UCB Theatre Los Angeles. If you'd like to attend a future recording, tickets may be acquired at ucbtheatre.com. The theatre donates all proceeds to A26LA. For updates on future performances, please like the Dead Authors page on Facebook. For additional updates or to ask questions of our guests from the safety of your very own thumbs, follow us on Twitter, at DeadAuthorPod. The original Dead Authors reading series was created by Mr. John Korn. Until next time, this is H.G. Wells saying, the show is over. <laughs>